back for another episode of Mox on the Mic. I'm Chris Goforth. Glad to have you with us. Appreciate you joining us wherever you may be joining us from. If you're a Mox fan, if you know Mox fans, make sure that you tell them about Mox on the Mic. This podcast comes out every week. You can find it wherever you find your podcast from. Just make sure that you subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast. You'll get it right to your phone or your mobile device, and you can listen to Mox on the Mic at any time. We'll continue our look at this year's inductees into the Chattanooga Hall of Fame. We'll talk football and men's basketball this week. Ronnie Powell will be with us first. He played football for the Mocs from 1976 through 1979. He was an All-American defensive tackle from 76 through 79. Led the team in tackles as a freshman in 1976, where he was a honorable mention All-American that year from the Associated Press. Was second on the team in tackles as a sophomore. He was the SOCON Defensive Player of the Week, and he also made the All-Southern Conference teams. Chattanooga, those were some great teams coached by Joe Morrison that he was a part of. They went 25-6-2 during his four years and either won or shared the Southern Conference title three different times. Here's our conversation with Ronnie Powell. Ronnie, I got a question for you. Sure. Who's this guy? You recommend? <laughs> you recognize that guy? Yeah. <laughs> that looked like Ronnie Poe. <laughs> wow. Gilberttown, Alabama. Gilberttown. So, why Chattanooga? Uh, when I came on my recruitment trip, they sold me. They put me up at the Choo Choo. I'm a country boy. <laughs> I never flew on a plane. So when they put me up at the Chattanooga Choo Choo in the uh, hospitality, sold me. I had a couple of other schools, but they sold me. So you come, and at that time, Chattanooga football had a lot of, there was a, a very much a New York presence on that team. Did you ask those guys why they all talk funny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had a lot of Italians. And uh, a lot of guys from New York, and uh, Coach Coach Morrison was from up that way. So it was like playing for. He actually had the team set up like a pro football team. That's what I enjoyed so much about playing under him. Well, I was going to ask you about Coach Morrison. Your your recollections of of him and and playing for him. He was a motivator. He made you feel like. If you didn't play, the team would lose. That's exactly how he made me feel. You didn't. You didn't. Uh, you weren't surprised by the success that he had once he left here. Then not at all, not at all. Because, like I said, he was a motivator. On one occasion, I was had an injury, and I was in the whirlpool. He came in and said, "My wife and I was talking about you last night. If you don't get well, we can't win." Of course, I knew that wasn't true, but <laughs> it felt good. 6'2", 225 pounds. Now, you would probably be a safety today at 6'2", 225. Maybe, maybe an outside linebacker. But you played on the defensive line. Yes. Um, led the team in tackles as a freshman, as a defensive lineman. That's unheard of. Take me back to your freshman year. How do you go from Gilberttown, Alabama, to leading Chattanooga in tackles 
as a defensive lineman in your first year? Wow. I guess just believing I could motivate. And I, I started out on the scout team. You know, you come from you come from high school, you're a starter. You know, I was the basketball player and a football player in high school, uh, leading rebounder. So tenacity was always part of me. And uh started out there on the scout team. I was on the scout team for two weeks and one day I was sitting in there watching film and my defensive coach, of course, Coach Joe Lee Dunn came and said, You think you can beat that guy? I said, Yes, sir. He said, You starting this week. So from there I went. Joe Lee Dunn, another guy that left here and had a long career in college football. Joe Lee Dunn, one of the greatest coaches I know. Did you like playing for him? I did. He was hard nosed. Yeah. And that's the kind of coach I needed to bring 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 it out of me. Coach Henry Sorrell, he was he was my uh, defensive line coach, and I learned a lot from him. He was my mentor. That was a just a fantastic group that you got. I mean, those were some really good football teams that you were a part of. Now, when you came as a freshman, Chattanooga was not a part of the Southern Conference yet. Am I correct? So it was still – they, they didn't call it 1AA or, or any of that back then. What did they call it back then? I don't even remember. I just, we just – we was considered, I guess, a second-tier level school, according to the other ones, you know. I don't really know what they called it, honestly. I just remember winning the Southern Conference. You won it a couple times, didn't yeah. you? Well, of all those guys I played with, Nine of them was, are in the Hall of Fame. So that was quite a group. And all of us had a chance at pro football, so that was good. Did you get that opportunity? I did with the Bengals. I got offered uh, my junior year, I got offered a, a contract for 35000 Yeah, with the Bengals. How did, it, how did it play out? Well, I guess I was, being from where I was, I was more concerned about finishing my education. Right. And that was first with me. Right. And so by the time I got to my senior year, I had went into the ministry and my values changed. So football wasn't a part of it then? After Not that. then. No. All and I American, had a family also. Right. All American as a sophomore. Uh, it's, it's, you had the most remarkable college football career, though, to go from a small town in Alabama Two weeks as a as a as a reserve to a starter to an All American and a multiple time Southern Conference champion. How much talk do you remember at that time about joining the Southern Conference? Did did you do you did you know anything at all about those schools? I did. I did. I did. I knew I knew what the Southern Conference was. I knew the schools that were there. Such as the Citadel and all those other schools there, because some of my best games was against Southern Conference schools. Yeah, I just I knew, I knew about it, and uh, we was glad to get in the in the Southern Conference at that time because it gave us more exposure. Who was the big rival back then? I remember, uh, probably I would say between Louisiana Tech. And uh, Appalachian State, I would say. 
that didn't change much for about with Appalachian State for what about 25 30 years after even after you left yeah but that was uh one of one of our greatest defeats and our greatest victory I think one year they beat us 72 to 14 oh and we were in wind sprints forever <laughs> <laughs> I still remember that we ran wind sprints 72 wind sprints wow yeah I guess that's why we didn't lose anymore. <laughs> you mentioned uh, your teammates having a shot at, at playing in the NFL, and there were a lot of them uh, from that era uh, that got a chance to go play. Absolutely. Give, give, me, uh, give me a good story about some of those guys. If you got one you uh, can share. Pete Pallera, he got drafted. He was, uh, he was an offensive lineman, uh, one of the most menacing Italians I ever met when I first got there. Because he was huge. He was about 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, and when I came in on recruitment, that's the first one I met. And I remember him standing up. I thought he was going to stand up forever. <laughs> uh, but uh, my challenge was to go against him. And, of course, you know, Greg Cater was, uh, I think he signed with uh, Buffalo or somebody. Yep, he was yep. a punter. Greg, Greg was a punter uh, for Great Bills. guy. Yeah. He's pastor now, too. Yep. Yeah. And uh, – of course, uh, Mike Smith got an opportunity, but he went to the Army. Wayne Durden played a little bit in uh, uh, the Canadian Football League. Uh, Tony Ball, great, Jacob Brandy, I think he played a while. So we had quite a few guys that played pro ball. How many of those guys are you still in? You mentioned Tony Ball. Uh, Tony's in coaching. hes I don't think he's ever left football. But how many of those guys are you still in contact with? You still uh, – Talk to Jacob maybe once every three or four years. Tony Ball, I talked to him on Facebook, of course. Now, most of the guys we play with, we're all on Facebook together, so we communicate. As a matter of fact, I talked to Tony Marandino two weeks ago. So, uh, most of us, are, and of course, Mike Smith is here. Mm-hmm. He's also a minister. What does it mean to you to get this honor? Well, actually, when I got the letter, I weeped because uh, my years of playing football was my defining years. And, of course, it afforded me one of the greatest things I could get that I couldn't afford was a college education. And I made sure I got my degree. So I grew up at UTC. It was my defining years and the the camaraderie and the uh, friendship with the teammates is – insurmountable. Of course, the coaches, uh, just things I learned. Most of all, it's just uh, I felt, to be honest with you, I felt like when. If you led the team in tackles, you was one to win. Right. You know, that you was, uh, that would happen. And it's a great honor for me because it's a great part of my life. Catch us up on where you've been and what you've been doing since you're since you took off that Mox football helmet? Well, I, I've been pastoring for 37 years. Uh, uh, basically, I, I went back to school, of course, uh, got my doctorate in theology. Uh, but been pastoring, doing ministry, basically. Uh, raising kids. Raising kids now, enjoying my grandkids. Who all is going to be with you this weekend? All my kids and all my grandkids. 
I'll definitely be there. I got some I got some grandsons that are athletes. One is a was a quite a football player at a, one of the middle schools, and another one uh, playing basketball a little while. So I'm proud of the legacy being passed on. They do they know the story? Oh, Have yeah. they heard the stories? Oh yeah, they heard. The they weren't very interested in it until <laughs> <laughs> so they started getting older, but they see the clippings. And uh, my second grandson, he's, they say he looked like me, so he's hes a good football player. I think it's going to be good. Ronnie, welcome back. Well, thank you. And congratulations. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate Ronnie Powell giving us some time. What a, a great conversation and, and what a good guy to spend time with. An All-American defensive lineman for the Mox, a defensive tackle that led the team in tackles. That is almost unheard of. Derek Curse was almost unheard of in his day with the Mox as well, the way he could dominate the Southern Conference. He was a two-time All-SoCon performer back in the 1990-91 era. Over 1,100 career points. That's the second most number of points scored in a two-year period at UTC. Fastest player in school history ever to get to 1,000 points. Took him just 45 games. He averaged right at 20 points per game. That's the highest in school history. And in the 1989-90 season, he scored 20 points per game. That's the highest single season average in Chattanooga history as well. A fun conversation with a former mock and now the Hall of Famer, Derek Curse. Derek, first, I think the thing that people are always going to remember about you, the thing that I remember about you, is that you always torched ETSU and Marshall. For those that aren't old enough to remember those two rivalries, and I'll let you speak to whichever one you want to speak to first, those games in the roundhouse where it was crazy. The, the, it would be the – you could almost cut the tension in the air when those two teams came to town. Take me back, gosh, 30 years ago now, and, and what it was like to play in those games uh, at that time. Well, it was, it was the peak of our conference. Um, those two opponents had the best players, um, in my opinion. Uh, of course, with John Taff at, at Marshall and uh, then all the guys at ETSU, um, you knew going in that it was going to be a battle and you, you had to get your mind right and, and your body right to um, get ready to play. So, um, and then there was um, what I dub now sportsman hate, where um, as, as an opponent, I hated them. So it was personal. Um, the irony is, is that we've become friends now. And uh, actually, John Taff is coming to the uh, induction today. And I just spoke to uh, Keith Jennings um, a week or so ago. How about that? Who would have thought? 30 years ago, you never would have thought you'd be, uh, you'd be pals with those guys, did you? Definitely not during the season. Um, yeah. I, I can honestly, honestly say John Taff was the one to extend the olive branch, you know, my senior year. Um, he's, um, we played them at Marshall, and he offered to, uh, after the game, pick us, pick me up and let's go hang out, and we did. Uh, the funny thing, too, is that we were uh, then at the Lakers camp together, um, and then we played um, um, in Greenville, South Carolina together. So that, over those experiences, the friendship definitely um, blossomed and uh, became great. 
ETSU rolls in here January the 21st, 1991. They're ranked 10th in the country. You score 32 points, grab 12 rebounds. And if that wasn't enough, you had three assists. Oh, and two steals. <laughs> that game, um, there was a couple of big motivators. Um, one, we I think we played Appalachian State the game before. And after the game, a reporter asked me, how did I think we would do against East Tennessee State? In the, pro, in the post-game press conference, I said, we're going to win. And he chuckled. And that kind of lit a fire in me. I'm like, why are you laughing? And he's like, well, they're ranked number 10. And I was like, I don't care. So that fired me up. And this, the next situation, I don't know if it was uh, Coach Mac Ploy, but right before the game, he came to the locker room. And he was all fired up. <clears throat> and he's, he was saying that um, Sports Illustrated was there to do a story on ETSU. And, you know, he was very animated saying, how can they come to my arena and do a story on them? So that fired me up too. So um, <clears throat> going into that game and, and without those two, I already hated them. <laughs> so I had three elements going to that game to, to make sure and to do it the best I can. Give me your best Mac McCarthy story. I know, I know there's probably a couple, <laughs> yeah. but I, I, we want the best. Okay. Let me see. Um, between he and I, when I, when I first got here, um, you know, I think he was told that I was more of a defensive player and rebounder and, you know, things of that nature. And after about a month on campus, my red shirt year, I was doing pretty good against the active players. And after practice one day, he called me up to his office and, uh, he was sitting in his chair and had his head kind of cocked to the side. And he said, who are you? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, the report on you didn't tell me any of this. And, um, and there was some other words in there, you know, of course. But he, he was, I guess, surprised um, as, as, as to my skill set. Um, there are other stories um, that I can tell you off air, but uh, Coach, Coach Mack was great. He, very funny. Very, very funny. Yeah, he said about you – that you were a guy ahead of his time, that, that you could have fit into the game very well today because of your length and athleticism. He said you could have played all five spots on the floor. Yeah, you know, and I credit that to my, my high school coach um, who's here uh, for this induction as well. Uh, uh, Ricky Thomas, um, who was actually my 7th, 8th, 10th, 11th, 12th grade coach. Um, from day one, he, he – um, he, taught, he made sure all of us can handle the ball, pass, shoot, dribble. You know, there were some other guys on my teams who, who were just as tall as me or taller, but we can all handle the ball. So that made, it a, made us a better team because although we had a great point guard in high school who, who eventually went on to Alabama State, whoever got the defense rebound can start a fast break. So um, it was Coach, Coach Thomas who started my development um, as, as being a well-rounded player. Other coaches and AU coaches um, uh, back then would tell me to get inside, stay inside, and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, my coach said I can play anywhere. So I think that's that's that was the genesis of it. And then um, definitely going to Georgia, where the starting point guard my freshman year um, was six nine, and um, you know Willie Anderson. So that was an epiphany that okay, there are bigger players who are doing the same thing I'm doing. Um, and in order for me to get on the court, I had to up my game as well. 
So, um, you know, I, I love the comment by Coach Mack that I was a little bit ahead of my time. I, I guess I should have talked to my parents about being born 30 years later. What do you think about the game today? Because it is almost positionless basketball. Look, you go to the arena on, on Saturday for the home finale, and you're going to see six, seven, six, eight, six, nine guys shoot threes. Right. Today's game um, at the college level, I still like. Um, the pro level, not so much because it's pretty much a one-on-one game. Other than, you know, San Antonio, Golden State, there are a few teams who um, actually get everybody involved, and usually they are the more successful team. Uh, the, the college game, I still like because it does get everybody else involved. Take us back. You mentioned that, that you began your career at, at Georgia. Mm-hmm. How did you get here? Well, um, once I decided to leave Georgia, um, um, I was actually done with basketball mentally. I enrolled into a junior college, and um, the the program there was very good and historically. They were usually ranked in the, in the country. And that coach recruited me pretty heavily while I was on campus. But, you know, like I said, I was done. Um, and then a, a, a man uh, from my neighborhood that I grew up in um, asked me a simple question, um, and, and that rekindled it. He, he just asked me, are you going to be like the rest of the guys? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you're going to go to school for a year or two and come back home. I was like, no, no. So that moment I went home, called one of the assistant coaches at Georgia, and I said, I'm not coming back there, but can you help me get somewhere? And there was a few other schools that got involved in recruitment. Um, Then uh, Coach Matt called. Um, I guess he sweet-talked me to come in for a visit. Came in for a visit, liked it. You know, um, again, I'm, I'm a Florida kid, born and raised. And uh, Coach Kilby picked me up from the airport and uh, to bring me into town. He took me off of 75 to 24. So I'm seeing that view. So as a Florida kid, that's fascinating. I'm like, oh, I like this, you know. And then there was a, a guy on the team named Darren Chandler um, who I knew from Florida. So, they, you know, things just kind of gelled, which made it an easy decision. Now, you sat a year, your first year, right, year yes. as, as a redshirt. How hard was that year? Actually, it was pretty easy um, because what I wanted to do to, was to get acclimated to, to, you know, campus, and then I wanted to work on my game. And um, Coach Matt kept me engaged. Um, one of the things he did in practice, whoever the next opponent was, best player, best offensive player, it's okay, Derek, you, that's who you are today. And in some practices, he'll say, shoot it every time. And so it was fun. You know, I had some freedom and, and things like that. So it really wasn't that hard. It was hard. Um, a couple of games sitting on the bench, and I'm like, I know I can help them. You know, we can win this game. <clears throat> but overall, it was, it was uh, relatively easy for me. Now, was that the 88-89 season you set? Correct. Okay. Yes. All right. And those were some great teams. Yeah. That, that run there in the late 80s, even right. into the early 90s. I mean, those were – you played with a lot of good – a lot of great players. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, you know, my first year of eligibility going in to the season, I really thought we had a chance um, to be a good team and win the conference and, and maybe get, get into the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately, we had some some things happen. You know, we lost Darren Chandler. We lost Terry Brent. Um, ben Wiley broke his back. You know, so we had just had some bad luck that year. <clears throat> Still was competitive in the Southern Conference tournament. Um, but definitely going into my senior year, and um, having met the guys who came in, uh, I'm like, okay, this is a different group. 
you know, we, we got a chance to do something. What was your strength? What made you a good player? I think the fact that whatever the team needed, I could do it. Um, whether it was guard the best, um, the, the other team's best player, whether I needed to score 30 that night or do, did I need to focus on assists, um, do I need to get the other guys riled up or you know get them going. So I think my biggest attribute was whatever we needed for a particular game, I think I could provide it and it, without dropping too you know too too much off in the other areas. So what have you been up to since you left here? Well, uh, primarily I've been working with youth. Um, uh, you know, I, currently I'm the regional director uh, for the state of Florida for a company called Better Tomorrows, which provides social services to mixed and low income uh, communities. Um, I was a high school coach uh, for ten years at my alma mater, and. Uh, you know, help a lot of kids get in college and, and, and some big programs. Um, won a state championship in 2006. Um, and off that team, I had three D1 kids. Um, worked with a few other kids who um, played professionally overseas and things like that. Um, but primarily, I've, I've been working with youth. I was director of operations for the Boys and Girls Club. Um, was over eight clubs in the uh, Tallahassee region. Um, ran the Wheel Youth Program, uh, which is an employability program for like four years. So most of my career um, has been working with youth. So how many Mac-isms came out when you were coaching? Quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a few, and, and they flew out my mouth before I had a chance to gather them. <laughs> and, uh, but quite a few, definitely quite a few. You know, here's the thing. My coaching style is, is pretty much, you know, comprised of my high school coach, my coach at Georgia, and Coach Mack. And I, I took the best of all of them and, um, and, and tried to apply it. And, and we had some success. I, you know, I had kids that had success. My program had success. I had a kid at Wake Forest. I had a kid at Florida that played under Donovan. I had a kid at Ole Miss, uh, Seton Hall, Georgia State, uh, some junior college kids. So I had, you know, the kids that came out of my program. And the biggest thing, um, biggest point of pride that I had about the kids that went on to college was most of the coaches called me and said, Coach, he's ready. You know, there, there's no transition period. Because I ran a pretty intense program with a lot of fundamental teaching. Um, the intensity definitely comes from Coach, Coach Durham at Georgia. The fundamental teaching is, is definitely Coach Mack. My high school coach's version was was off the court showing that I, I really cared about it. So, yeah, my, my coaching style has definitely been a, a, um, a developed by those three men. When you left here, you got a chance. Was it camp with the Lakers? Yes. Now that was that was showtime. Yes. At that time, yes. What was that like? That was a quite the experience uh, because you know when I got out to the camp, this is probably a month and a half, two months after they lost to the Bulls in the finals. The Jordan's first. Yes. Yeah. And um, so I get to camp, and it was a, you know it was a free agent rookie camp, and then you know. Magic shows up, James Worthy. And, you know, to be honest, the first practice that day, I was a little awestruck. Um, and then um, went back to the hotel and, and had a pretty intense conversation with myself. And, you know, I'm like, if you don't get together, you're, you're going to be on a plane uh, heading back. So from that point on, I, I, I definitely played a lot better. I definitely like my chances of uh, getting uh, uh, deeper into the, uh, the roster. Um, but... You know, the other crazy part about that was that was the Magic Johnson HIV 
Mm-hmm. That's right. Which we found out, I guess, that fall, right? Like right. September, yeah. October. Yeah. So I got released maybe three weeks before that. Right. I think they found out when he was in Paris. I was supposed to go to the, um, go to Paris with them, but then I got released right before it. So. <clears throat> So you didn't have any idea then at that time in camp? No. You didn't know anything was wrong no, with Magic? No, no, nobody did, um, you know, while I was there. Um, so to get back home and to see that develop and, and know the faces and things like that, it, you know, it was, it was kind of surreal um, to see, the, see that world, to be in it, or at least on the outskirts of it, was, was to me, uh, a little scary and, and exciting at the same time. So tell me about Pat Riley. No, it was uh, Mike Dunleavy. Dun- Mike Dunleavy, that's yeah. right. Yeah, he he was uh, he was good. He was a pretty he was intense, but it was low key. You know, he he really didn't do a lot of yelling, but he would get on you. Um, the expectation was pretty intense. You know, a lot of the drills that that we did out there, I, I incorporated into some of, uh, of what I did as a basketball player. But you know, you know, from my memory, you know, he would tell you what he thought. But he wouldn't do it from across the gym. He'll come to you know, to you. So, but it was a great experience. You know, I mean, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Of course, I, I would have loved to make the roster. Um, but it was a great experience. Who's with you this weekend? Um, I have two of my cousins and their wives. My uh, sister, Robin, flew in from Michigan. Um, my best friend from the second grade and his wife are here. My um, my coach, my high school coach, um, and his wife are here. Uh, unfortunately, my mom couldn't come, and my oldest sister couldn't come. Uh, we just uh, buried my oldest brother last Saturday, so they're dealing with that as we all are. But um, that was kind of a quick turnaround to try to uh, get the, all of them here. But you know, um, so but it's a lot of excitement. You know, my daughter, my grandson um, are here, so it, it's still an exciting group. 29 years? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. What's this mean now? <clears throat> you know, the, I, I, the best way for me to describe it is is my reaction when I got the call, which is I'm at work, I'm dealing with a customer, I get a call, um, it says Tennessee, and I'm thinking, you know, my daughter lives, still lives in Chattanooga, and I'm like, why is she calling me from this foreign number? And, uh, and, um, so I answer it, and it's the AD, right? And he said, hello, Derek, this is – I'm sorry, I forget his name. Um, Mark Wharton. Mark. And he says, um, I'm calling to let you know that you've been inducted into UT's Hall of Fame. And I went quiet. I couldn't say nothing. And he's like, you there? And I'm like, yeah. And um, so he gave me some more details, said they'll be back in touch, and um, – hung up the phone and I kind of sat there and my client was like, are you okay? I said, yeah, but I'm going to need you to come back. So I got up and uh, walked around my office and around the complex and um, was stunned, didn't know who to call first. Finally called my mom. She didn't answer. I I called one of my best friends. He didn't answer. Called my uh, sister that lives in Michigan. She answered. I told her, she started screaming. Uh, called another friend, he answered, told him. He's like, well, can I put it on Facebook? I said, no, because I'm not sure it's real. <laughs> I mean, I literally told He's like, no, let me put it on Facebook. And I'm like, 
no, let's give it a couple of days. So it was probably a 48-hour period before I let somebody actually like put it on Facebook. And I, I was telling people, but I was telling them reluctantly. Um, the greatest part um, has been the reaction of my uh, teammates, um, my coaches, um, you know, other guys from the conference. Like I said, John Taft is here. You know, Keith Jennings, we got in touch a week and a half ago. Uh, a lot of guys are coming in from, from those teams. Um, I think Tim Brooks is coming in, Damon Woods, Ed Sneed, uh, Maceo Williams, Tyrone Enoch. Uh, those are the ones I know that I've been told are coming. So <clears throat> getting in is definitely an honor, uh, one that I've wanted. Um, but to see the other people's reaction is is really awesome. You said you got up and walked around your office. Is there any Chattanooga basketball memorabilia in that office? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I got a, um, a, a picture uh, from back in the day and stuff. And But, yeah, definitely I, I represent – UTC. How much uh, how much memorabilia have you got from that from that time? I still have my Letterman's jacket. I have a couple different jackets. I don't even know where they come from. Um, I have uh, a travel sweatsuit. Um, I have a couple. Does it still t- fit? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, especially the Letterman's jacket. That thing, you know, I can't. I don't know how I got in that, but. Um, Mac always got nice stuff, though, didn't he? I mean, oh, yeah. you you always look good on the yeah. road traveling with Coach yeah. We, Mac. we we traveled looking good, you know. So you know, t shirts and all that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, yeah. So I still have some stuff. Derek, welcome back. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks to Derek Kirsch for uh, giving us some time. Congratulations to him, Ronnie Poe, and the rest of the inductees in this year's Hall of Fame class at UTC. That's going to do it for us on Mox on the Mic. Join us next time. We'll have more conversations with players, coaches, both past, present, uh, as we uh, continue to celebrate Chattanooga athletics. I'm Chris Goforth. Until next time, go Mox!